We are going to talk about loving each other. Uh, It's really going to be tagging on to what Brandon was just talking about today. And I I, I want us to to consider looking at maybe a different set of people um, that are getting unnoticed. And I don't know if you've ever noticed in your life and in your walk that some people get all the attention. You know those people? Maybe you're really beautiful, you're really wealthy, you're really famous. You got extraordinary athletic abilities. And when you walk into a room, heads turn, all the focus, all the attention goes to those kinds of people. I'm not that kind of person. I never was that good. I I was good enough to make the team, but I wasn't good enough to play. It's really the truth. I did start in baseball. I played basketball until I was a sophomore in in, uh, high school, but I only played basketball so that I wouldn't have to do winter workouts in baseball just lazy, didn't want to do it. They had to, used to have to run down 111, do five-mile runs, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'll play basketball. Uh, so, but you sit next to these people. I played with a, one of the best players that ever came through uh, Cookville, Ronnie Robinson. I don't know if anybody remembers that name, but I graduated with him. He wound up going to UT. Um, he was six eight six nine, just exploded, and I sat next to him, and let me tell you, he was a popular guy. But do you remember when you were in school and you happened to be standing next to one of those people? I just recently had this happen, and I'd never had this happen to me like it happened, as I'm going to be preaching to you today, that you're standing with someone, and there are other other people with that person, and they don't even acknowledge you're there. I was standing uh, at... um, in Nashville after the Ascend concert for Judah and the Lion, and I was standing there with my nephew Judah having a conversation, and people walked up and did not even acknowledge my presence. It was bizarre. Now, I didn't get upset. I didn't get my feelings hurt, but I'm like, I've never experienced that. But they're basically shoving me out of the way and not acknowledging my presence at all. Not that I need to have my presence acknowledged, but at least say sorry for bumping you. You know, it was very strange. I'd never experienced that to be completely ignored as though I did not even exist. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Had those situations in school, had those situations growing up. Um, Maybe, I'm just going to say it, maybe you felt like a sibling got it it better than you did. I'm sorry for that. Um, But you're standing there saying, hey, I'm here too. And they look straight through you. There's a word for that. And it's being marginalized. I wrote down the definition of what being marginalized meant. It means to be pushed to the fringe where you can be ignored. Then you're out there on the edges. You're not in the center of activity. To be marginalized means to be treated as unimportant or powerless. To be marginalized means to be be sidelined or to be overlooked or to be disregarded. Now, I believe if you are all honest with yourself, we have all felt like that. Maybe you even came in here today and you felt like that. But this week, what I want to talk about in the next few weeks is about the people that are overlooked, that are marginalized, that are unnoticed in your life. Not you, but the people that you have marginalized. You're going to be surprised, but we do it. It is our culture. So many times it's unfair, it's cruel. And a lot of people can be marginalized. You can get marginalized because of your age. 
I've run into that here recently, just being around young people. I've got young people in our house all the time. And sometimes we kind of get pushed over to the side because we're old. I'm not old. I don't think I'll ever be old. Isn't that kind of what we always think? I still work around young people at the car wash and oil change, and I sometimes think I'm still their age. I'm not. They don't think I am. They don't have the same conversations with each other that they have with me. I walked into the prayer room today, and all of a sudden, everything just got quiet. What? They didn't know it, but they marginalized me right there, and it hurt my feelings. They do know it. They did it on purpose. Anyway. You can be marginalized because of your age. Maybe you're too young. Maybe you're too old. You can get marginalized because of your gender. You can get marginalized because of your race, because of your background, or because of your language. You can get overlooked because of your appearance or a thousand other things. Because you're chronically ill. Maybe you have a disability. Maybe you struggle with mental illness. Maybe you live in poverty. All of these things in, in your mind, and not just in your mind, in reality, can get you pushed to the edge. And there have been lots of books written about how Jesus went after the marginalized people, but I want to kind of rephrase that. He didn't go after the marginalized people. He moved the margins. Where these people might have been pushed to the side, what he did was he pulled those margins out of the way and in, encountered those people. That's the, that's the mindset I want you to try to take from this, is moving those margins and involving everyone in the gospel. Whether you're an immigrant or whether you're Jewish or whether you're Gentile, it didn't matter. Something today, um, as we, we push the margins on the worship team today, I have not had a week off of not playing in forever, not on purpose. I love doing it. I, I love being a part of it. Um, but our team is growing. We've got more people coming on, and I've been having to tell everybody, hey, you're going to have to take a week off. We've got to make some room. Our, 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 our teams are growing. So sure enough, my youngest wound up playing in my spot today. And I thought, isn't that just how church should be? As Brandon was saying, even about you, you, you coming here um, to the church for the first time, there's, there's a place for you here. We will make room for you here. God is, Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven. We got to sing about that too. I love that song. Looking forward to what's coming. But I want you to know the same, it's heaven on earth. The Lord will make room for you. So my youngest is up here playing and I'm, I'm, I'm just loving it. We had a new drummer that we wound up doing a song that we hadn't heard and I'm like waving him down like, hey, do this. I'm waving, I'm trying to direct from down here, just being goofy. And sure enough, he picked up the ball and just ran with it. Just did awesome. I love watching the team grow. But that's part of that moving those margins. We could get set and get stuck and no, you can't have my place. Stay, stay in the seat. Stay over there. We like you over there. No, 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 no. Come and be a part of what we're doing. We will make room for you. I will give up my spot for you. Not totally. I still want to play. I don't want to not play anymore. I don't want you to marginalize me because I'm giving you a shot. No, let's do this together. So pushing the margins, moving the margins. The Bible says as believers that we are commanded to love everybody, that we don't get to marginalize anyone because everyone matters. 
Everyone's important. And today, it's going to sound kind of funny, but teaching, what the teaching today and the next couple weeks is going to be how to be a better lover. Lover of people. Thank you. Words messed up. It's not messed up. I mean, the how to love everyone and how the people in your life who desperately need your love. You work with them. You go to school with them. You, maybe you haven't even seen them. You don't even know their name. They live next door. They work, you work with them in your office and you look past them because they're not your kind of people. If we're going to claim, I don't want to just claim to be a Christ follower. I want to be one. What, what it means to be a Christ follower is to follow Christ. Not just tag along behind him, but do what he does. Right? To do what he does. What did he do? He loved everyone. There was no margins in his people. Look at James chapter 2, verse 12. James chapter 2, verse 12. Whenever you speak or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law of love, the love that set you free. Can you let that one sink in for just a second? Whatever you speak and whatever you do, it will not go unnoticed. But it's going to have a measuring stick put to it. That measuring stick is going to be the law of love. What is the law of love? Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to be judged on that. So how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Look in the next verse, verse 13. You must show mercy to others. If you don't show mercy, then God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the one who shows mercy can stand without fear before the judge. Can you please keep this in context? It said to watch what you're saying and watch what you're doing and make sure that you realize that whatever you're doing is going to get judged by the law of love. Now, the instruction, the next verse, stay in context. The way we do that is by showing what? Mercy. You show mercy to those around you. I think it's good if maybe the light can go on for you to realize the way that I love someone is just to show mercy to them. What will happen is as you show mercy and they soften up to you and they start to trust you, all of a sudden doors start opening and all of a sudden you start having relationship with these, with, with these people that you don't know that you have shoved over to the side and are not noticing, maybe intentionally, maybe not intentionally. Most of the time, I think we're pretty good-hearted people. Don't you want to think that about yourself? I'm not treating this person this way on purpose. Sometimes we just get in a hurry. Sometimes we just don't notice. I can tell you, I am the, I am, I am, um, the master of not noticing. I am oblivious to the obvious. Certain things will happen and my brain is just not noticing it. The simple things that you would probably get, sometimes I don't get. Why? Because my mind is somewhere else. Not because I don't care, not because I don't want to show mercy, not because I don't want to do things. It's why when Elizabeth said about my son who's back there in the corner, she said, Pete gets me. I hate that expression because what that means is you don't. So I started to try to notice what Pete noticed 
And it worked. Because I wasn't noticing it. The law of love. So, mercy. Show mercy. If you've got your Bibles out, if you've got your iPhones out, and you've got that, highlight that. You know, there are ways that you can highlight even with an iPhone or an Android or whatever. But it says, must, you must show mercy. You must show mercy to others. That's how you obey the law, the law of love. You show mercy to others. Or if you don't, God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. It says the person who shows mercy will stand without fear at the judgment. We're singing all about um, um, getting rid of our fear. You know how we get rid of our fear? We get rid of our fear by showing mercy. Isn't that kind of backwards? Isn't that, that's not really what we think of, is it, when we think about getting rid of our fear? The way I get rid of my fear, Scripture shows here, is by showing mercy. It's a good word for somebody. Mercy triumphs over justice. I'll go deeper into that as we dive into this. But it's so powerful that we can see here that what what this mercy does is it wipes out four things. First of all, it wipes out God's judgment. We just saw right there that when we show mercy, God shows mercy. What we deserve, you know, when it talks about judgment, when when we stand before the throne and we are judged, if 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 justice is really there for us, for what we have done, our, our um, punishment's not going to be good. But what I need at the throne, when I'm standing at the throne in judgment, I need mercy. Anyone else? I need mercy. And the way to receive the mercy of God during my time of judgment is to show mercy to others. Mercy triumphs over justice. So, Doing this, um, God's judgment, it wipes out Satan's judgment, the accusation of you, which is false because he, want, because he wants to accuse you. He wants to shame your life. He, it wipes out God's judgment. It wipes out Satan's accusations. It wipes out what other people say about you. It isn't going to matter to you in eternity what other people say or how they judge you, even though it may be strong, but it wipes out your self-condemnation. You showing mercy writes so many things in your life. The problem is either we don't show mercy or we just don't notice the opportunity. I miss the opportunity. Anybody here ever missed an opportunity? just because you weren't paying attention. Sometimes I miss an opportunity because I make bad judgment. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about missing it because you didn't notice it. Missing it because you have pushed these people over to the side and you don't even notice what's going on. Well, what's, what, what I'm after, what I feel like the Lord is after is teaching us how to notice it. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy was the theme of Jesus' ministry. Wherever he went, he showed mercy. In fact, through the whole Gospels, you'll find so many different times, maybe a dozen, couple dozen places where people say to Jesus, he's walking through town and people run him down and what do they say to him? Have mercy on me. 
People shout out to Jesus, have mercy on me, Lord. It was the hallmark of Jesus' ministry. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is look at how to show merciful love like Jesus did to everyone in your life. Even the people you're looking past and looking through to the people that desperately need your love. And we're going to get this all from the story of the two blind men that Jesus healed. All the principles, I believe, come out of that. In Matthew chapter 20. So turn with me real quick to Matthew chapter 20. Does anybody have a Bible? Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to try to be quick and get us out there to fill those boxes. I'm just going to touch on the first point. Matthew 20 verse 30. I'm reading from the NIV. I'm going to put it up on the screen. But as we go through it, I want you to look for five verbs Five verbs. These verbs are that he heard, he stopped, he looked, he asked, he touched. All in this scripture. He heard, he stopped, he looked, he asked, he touched. All right, y'all ready to go? All right, here we go. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Verse 33. They answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Now, I think I probably put up the wrong translation because I don't know that I saw heard. Uh, what did I say that we needed to look for? Heard, stopped, looked, asked, touched. It's not the NIV? Oh, well. So, Matthew 20, verse 30 through 34. We saw that two men sitting by the, by the roadside. Now, these first few verses, very powerful story. From it, we get five principles of all the things that in people that we may overlook. These five principles are absolutely essential in your life. Let's look at it. Number one, I'm going to bring this one up. This is the only one that we're going to do today. Step one. Listen. Can everybody say listen? You know, that's a... That's a um, quality that a lot of people don't have listen for clues that people are in pain love always starts with listening because I want to tell you people are in pain around you they're everywhere they're in every place every day everywhere you look you don't notice it because we're in our own little worlds we're running our errands we're doing our job we're going to the places we need to go to see the people that we need to see I, again, am the worst. I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to somebody that was talking to me out. We were out having those snacks. It was uh, Shirley Vinkentraman was trying to um, ask me to pray for her for a ministry that she's in that they have asked for their pastors to uh, pray over uh, these individuals. And literally, I'm out there and I'm looking at her and we're having a conversation, but I don't hear a word she's saying. I am somewhere else until she said some word that made me think, uh-oh, she, need, she needs me to be somewhere. And I just literally said, okay, stop. Start all over. 
I missed, I'm, I'm, I'll just apologize to you. I am not in this conversation, but I heard something that makes it me feel like I need to be in it. What did you say? And then she shared and just shared what I needed to do and I could take care of what I was doing. But it gave, I've talked to her two or three times since then about that because it has so impacted me. How I can be looking at you in the eyes, standing, it just be me and you having a conversation and I don't hear what you're saying. Can anybody relate? I want to say I believe husbands and wives, husbands, this happens a lot. Wives, say amen. Does it not? Does your husband hear everything that you say? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. You're just not tuned in, and you're not tuned into people's pain. And the reason you're not is because they're not in the center of your attention. It took so little time for me to give Shirley my full attention and to take care of what needed to be taken care of. It wasn't a huge deal, but had I not focused in, I would have broken something in mine and her relationship. Now, she's an adult. She knows that. She knows I have my issues, and she's not going to run and go set the church on fire, but it still would have hurt the relationship. Can anybody see that? You know, when we read this passage, I said these two blind guys were sitting. Where were they sitting? On the side of the road. They weren't even the focus of the road. They were on the side of the road. How many of you have ever hit a ditch? It's bad. How many of you have ever walked the ditch and found all the trash in the ditch? The trash, when you see the prisoners going down the road picking it up, they're not picking it up in the middle of the road. They're picking it up on the sidelines. That's where these two blind guys were. On the sidelines, they were not the center. These guys were not the center of activity. They were sitting on the side of the road. They had been marginalized. They were on the periphery. They're relegated to the side. Why? Why were they? Because they were blind. And they weren't at the center of the activity. They were marginalized. And the Bible says that to get Jesus' attention, they started shouting. Now, I'm going to just leave you right here with how did the people respond? Shut up. I didn't just tell you to shut up. You read translations, the people reacted. Be quiet. What did they do? They got louder. What did Jesus do? He addressed them. He spoke with them. I'm going to leave you right there to be listening for someone in your life shouting they're in pain. You will hear it. God will give them to you because they are lost and need to be found. God's not doing this just so you can have a project. God is doing this to save someone and he's going to save them through you. But you have to be paying attention. If not, we're going to be saying, hey, be quiet. This isn't the most important thing. Jesus stopped what he was doing and said, yes, this is the important thing. This is why I'm here. That's where we're going to be going over the next few weeks. So we all stand with me and I'm going to pray over you. I want to encourage you. When I say amen, we all go out there to the boxes. 
Okay, it's kind of like we're going to put our hands in the middle. If anybody been a part of a team, one, two, three, go fill a box. Okay, we'll do that at the end. Go fill it. No, we don't have to. Father God, I just ask you right now, Lord, that you would just awaken our spirits. God, you would train us and teach us to follow you. And Lord, that we would just slow down enough to notice those around us that are trying to say, I'm in pain. That are really crying out for help. I think that I'm just going to just going to say, I think that we, we struggle knowing how to minister to people, how to share the gospel to people. We don't have to struggle. Listen for pain. Listen for people hurting. And offer them hope. Offer them what you have. If you remember uh, standing around the gates, I think it was Peter and John were standing there and and. and People were coming up asking for money, and they said, we don't have money, but what we do have, we're going to give you. You, don't have, you can only, All you can give is what you have, and you have enough. You know what that is? It's mercy. Just give mercy. Father God, in Jesus' name, help us to have those moments and to recognize those and to, Lord, give mercy. Not judge them for where they are. Give them mercy. Help us to minister to people and to help people that are in pain. And God, in turn, according to your word, have mercy on us. Bless us, Lord. And help us to be a part of the kingdom of God. Not a problem, but a part of growing your kingdom by offering people mercy and hope. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I've never received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Right now, Jesus Christ is wanting to extend to you mercy. When you come to his throne, his throne is a throne of mercy and grace. That's what he offers you today. You may feel like you have been judged your whole life. Well, I want you to know the throne of God is a throne of mercy and grace. Would you receive him today? Just right where you sit, just say, I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. We want to be a part of you growing there. That's why we're here as a church, is to help you grow. Father God, I just pray over the kids at Avery Trace and Allgood and uh, Jerry Whitson. Father, over all of the students, everybody, there's students hurting in every school. But Lord, right now, we just are going to put our hands to the plow and ask you, Lord, to bless these boxes, to reach those that need to be reached. Help us to be a part of that. Now, Father, give us a great week. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Please stick around. Have some snacks. Help fill a box. God bless you. Have a great week.